Welcome back to the Ride Boundless Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Ride Clean. Ride Clean is an ultra premium polish, wash, and sealer. It's simple to use. Simply shake, spray, and wipe. Get that mirror-like finish. If you're not riding clean, you're riding dirty. Make sure to check them out at www.rideclean.co. Use promo code RBPODCAST for 15% off, plus they're doing free shipping. That's rideclean.co and use RB Podcast for 15% off and free shipping. Very exciting episode. I shot down to the San Diego area, and I met up with Dave from Lucky Dave's. I got to go into the shop. I got to tour the shop. I got to tell you, it's one of the cleanest shops I've ever been in. It was very organized. It was, this energy was awesome. You know, it's a family-owned, operated business. I found out why they call Dave Lucky. I also met his right-hand man, Grady, which he was super awesome, kick-ass guy, has amazing bikes, and knows the ins and outs of this industry. And we also talked about their newest products that they're bringing out. They're so fucking cool that I, I reordered new bars for my uh, 2020 Street Glide that I will be posting up pictures, hopefully, as soon as the, the job gets done. So... I hope you enjoy this episode. Make sure to like, subscribe, please rate the podcast, please share the podcast. And, and without no further ado, here we go. Hey, Dave, thank you for being here on the Ride Boundless podcast. How are you doing, brother? Uh, doing great. I appreciate you coming down, and it's a pleasure to meet you, Robert. You too. I, I love how the shop looks. I love everything that's going on. There's bikes, there's bars, there's parts. I mean, this place is, uh, it looks like a playhouse. You know, it kind of is. It's um, it's one step down from Deer Dick's uh, Play Factory or whatever he calls it. We we have a lot of fun around here. There's surfboards, dirt bikes. Everything, skateboards thrown yeah. around, bikes in the front, bikes in the back. Yeah. It's a cool well, shop. I mean, motorcycles is just one part of my life. Um, I look forward to opening up some of that other stuff later on in life. I'm right now pretty focused on bringing performance Harley parts, but you know, Southern California has just been a huge part of my influence and a huge part of my life. So everything that goes along with it. That, that's fucking awesome. That's yeah. fucking awesome. How did you get into motorcycles, by the way? Um, gosh, first of all, my parents hate motorcycles, so I can't go there. Um, the first time I rode a bike, I was on an old. 70s um like trail bike and it was, i think it was like a little 110 or something in my buddy's backyard and the thing barely ran you know to keep it wide open with a choke on so it would go and i fell in love it was uh it was one of the most fun things i'd ever done right and i didn't know anything about them um i always got in trouble when i was younger because i'd spend all my time after school in the garage you know my dad come home and hey where's this tool where's that and i'd literally cut a tool and a half to make something that i didn't have or whatever it just I was always into modifying things to make what I needed rather than trying to, you know, go out and, and, uh, get it. And really that's kind of what sparked it for me. Just that mix of adrenaline slash creativity. And there's no, there's really not anything more than the Harley community. There's a lot of great motorcycles out there. There's some people that make more, um, performance oriented bikes right off the bat, but there's something about that Harley community that's centered around the ability to customize, to make something uniquely yours uh, something that's fast. Yeah. There's that element of danger that something could happen. Um, but that's what brings us all together. You know? Yeah. It, it, it's crazy how, um, how we accept that danger so much, you know, and, and, and what I mean by that is like, 
you know, you look at the older, you know, motorcycles, the older baggers, the, the, their frame wasn't changed. They didn't from 89, I think it was from like 89 to almost, no, actually I want to say like 15 years. They didn't change that frame. Yeah. They didn't change the swing arm. And, and, we're, and the people are riding faster and longer and you got that death wobble. And then, and then when parts started coming out, they weren't that good. And that was crazy, but it was all a thrill. It was, it, it was yeah. fun. And I remember back in the day, you got a, a spoof or a true track or, you know, you modified your bike and you did what you could and you just went You just for did it. whatever you could yeah. and you went for it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah. nowadays I have a little more access to whatever I want to put on my bike and, um, the way that Harley's making motorcycles is completely different. These new M8 baggers, I've said it before, I'll say it again, they're just incredible. Uh, yeah. Opens up a whole new world. I was racing two guys on Beamers the other day, the 1200s, and one of them took off on me. And I was like, hey, not bad for a Harley, huh? And he's like, yeah, I heard those new ones are fast as shit. Apparently they're right. You know, we got on the freeway and he took off to like 160. So uh, he beat me there. But um, you're right, the old bikes and what we take for granted, but it's a new game these days for sure. Yeah, it, it's changed. I remember watching, um, I saw like a video clip or it was an old movie where the Hells Angels, they would put the pegs really up high so their knees would be really up here. And then when they would turn, and the reason they would do that is so they can take turns, you know, at a, yeah. at a better angle. Yep. And that was like in the 70s or 80s. And those are all rigid chopters with raked out forks and they're, you know, they got it was built a t- motors <laughs> and, and they're trying to lean into turns on those things, which is at insane high on its own. Yeah. At high, high, high speeds. Yeah, yeah it's, it's it's insane. But that that's the Harley Davidson. It's badass. That's the Harley Davidson community. Probably the least practical bike I ever had. Uh, I had a, a Buell chopper and it was actually in a, um, a drop seat frame. It's a rad looking bike, but it sat so low that I could set it over on its frame with no kickstand. And I ran the tires at like 12 PSI because that little lightning motor in there was just a, it was wicked. Yeah. Fired up, shoot flames out the pipes, you know, you go straight real well. That was about it. And I actually almost high sided going through Del Dios Highway, hit a reflector and it bucked me up. Got the rear wheel about six inches off the ground, got sideways, came down, throttled through it. Went back and parked the thing and started lifting my bikes ever since and getting into more of the handling ex- aspect and, you know, why function is such a big part of my life now and everything I integrate into what I do because... Into I mean, your you, brand. Yeah, it's a necessity. Absolutely. Especially riding around here. Yeah, especially. It, it's it's life threat. You know, it's, it's you know, life, death or life. Period. Yep. Um, and then what happened to Eric Buell? Remember Buell? Yeah. They, they stopped. I wonder, I wonder what happened. They had amazing technology back then. I don't know if it's true or not, um, but we did a, so we used to do a car show, uh, called the South Oak Car Show. I didn't have it this year for the first time in a long time because of COVID. Um, unfortunately, it was a really cool thing. And I had a booth up there and I had my FXR out and somebody told me that he walked by the booth and they talked to him for a minute. Really? And we couldn't find him. I tried to find him and they're like, I swear to you, you said his name is Eric Buell. He said he, he had something to do with these things. And I was like, are you kidding I mean, that, me? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was like, that's good. That's good. I don't know, but insane capabilities. For insane sure. capabilities. The technology, you know, creating an oil tank on the swing arm, you know, gas tank into the frame. I mean, I mean it was just amazing. It was interesting to see it go. Um, I was, I was able to ride the 1125 in Laguna Seca and Monterey on the racetrack. I mean, that thing was, was fun. What, what's the most favorite motorcycle you've owned? Um, I mean, I know you love them all, but. I'm going to say it was my 91 FXR. Um, either that or my first club style bike I ever built, which was a 2004 Dyna. 
but it had a Mackie 95 and it had a six speed in it, Baker six speed. And I mean, I, I built, put everything I could on that bike. It was prior to me making parts. Um, it's really my first performance oriented bike. And I rode it, probably put 15,000 miles on it. It was at the height of, um, like before Sons of Anarchy took off, you know, yeah. where it was kind of like a, so like 2009, um, yeah, 2010. Yeah, it was just before that. And then things just went nuts. And, you know, a lot of people knock on that show. Hey, for me, it made me a ton of money. I, I couldn't care less. Yeah, there's a lot of foolish um, stories and whatnot that went on in it. But the reality is what it did in the community, I mean, it just fed money into the Harley community. And you saw performance bikes, really the money that funded companies like us to be able to take it to the next level came from that just reboost in the community. And and, and it was necessary because I remember during those times, I've had this conversation many times um, where, you know, back then, Anytime you wanted to customize your motorcycle, it was very difficult. There wasn't many companies building stuff. And then only Harley was doing it, but it was super expensive. And it was kind of, you know, not as cool as, you know, something aftermarket. Yeah. And after that show came out, it's, it's, it's awesome how many companies, you know, or how many people stepped forward, started a business, you know, executed, you know, their dream, you know, quit their job and or even lost their job and then, you know, use this as an opportunity to well, come up like yours for the chopper industry. Right. I mean, right. back in the day, I've been, I've been around motorcycles for a very long time because I just, I got hooked at a young age, probably about 14, 15 is when I rode that old dirt bike. And ever since then, I've been pretty enthralled with them. But, um, you saw that whole chopper boom, you know, West coast choppers and all that. Yeah. And then you had tons of these kit bikes that were selling for 50, 60 grand. And all of a sudden expensive. Yeah. And all of a sudden you can't, you can't get more than 10 grand for a bike like that, you know? And so you have, you've had these fads that have hit the community and then you've had the people that are consistent, you know, that have been there all along and they see it come and go. And luckily for me, just, I just happen to be lucky as far as my age and where I was at in life and what I was doing. It just happened to coincide and all of a sudden things took off, but I found a niche, um, where I, I needed parts, you know, I was accessing bikes and that's really where I got my name was from building different bikes and, um, selling them, just getting them from out of state or wherever I could showroom condition. We, we were, we were talking about that. I mean, so, so what was your situation? You were, you were like a hobbyist and you know, you were doing this on your own and, and selling it or, and then it, it turned into, fuck, I have an idea. I want to continue this. Um, I mean, what, how, how did lucky days come, come about? That's a great question. And, and who no, were you I'm, before? And, and sure. That's an even better question. Yeah. yeah. That's a great, that's good background and good context because I think a lot of people think they can't do something simply because they didn't come from a family that, you know, generations of whatever it is they're trying to aspire to. And it's like, we have a choice every day to decide what we do and who we're going to be. And when you embrace that in your life, there's really no limit to what you can do. I had no idea what my company was going to turn into when I started it, I lost my job, you know, prior to that, I'd done a lot of different things. I'd worked as a consultant for a law firm, uh, for people in financial trouble. I'd worked as a manager at a uh, performance motorcycle shop and scooters. Um, when those were huge back uh, before 08, before the economy really took a toll, the gas mileage is great. You'd have people lined up outside buying Vespas, you know, so I've seen a lot of things come and go, um, throughout the, well, 2008 was uh, was when the economy crashed. Everything went to shit. People yeah. lost jobs. They lost their houses. They lost their toys. Yeah. Some people lost their family. Yeah. And, and I mean, 
man, I mean, look at where we're at right now. I think everybody in my position, if we're being real and I don't want to be anything else is, is well aware of those things and how quickly they can change. And, um, that's why I think it's important that people understand the difference between a family owned business and a corporation, you know, the way COVID affects us versus, you know, somebody who's owned by some big conglomerate trying to make money off of a motorcycle fad. Um, yeah. And, and, and I, and I want to talk about, and I respect that the family, you know, ran business. It's, it's amazing. Just walking around here, the energy, the people, the responsibilities is outstanding, but I, I want to focus more on, you know, the, you lose your job. I, I think you sold your motorcycle. Yeah. And I didn't mean profit. to race over that. Cause that was actually a really, I mean, that's a turning spot. point. Yeah. yeah that was a, a turning point, point in my life. So, so I, so you sold, I know you told me you sold the motorcycle. Did you have to sell that motorcycle? That's something you had. And, so and, I had bought my first Sportster from uh, a junkyard and uh, it was some guy lost it and they, you know, had it and put it up a Craigslist and I got it for like three grand. And I rode that straight over my buddy, little C's house. Uh, he's got a killer tattoo shop in Fallbrook now. Shout out to little C. In little any C. case, um, he's, uh, he's probably one of the biggest influences because we went over everything on that bike, did rewiring, kind of showed me what could be done. And after that, uh, I took that bike and I stripped it all down, made it mine, uh, did some different things. And, I sold it just because I got kind of to where I couldn't do anything else. I couldn't believe I got more than I had paid for it. You know, I just, right. I didn't know that was possible at that time. So I did it again and I'd slowly worked up to the point where I got in a Dyna a hundred year anniversary and I had some old, uh, Roland Sands bars on it, kind of Z bars, uh, two into one pipe, um, just real stripped down clean. And I was flipping bikes at the time and I had, I had bought and sold, I don't know how many bikes to get to that point. And I had gotten to the point where I had multiple bikes and I was basically my income. And eventually I didn't have parts that I could put on these bikes. Were, were you working at the time? Yes and no. Yes um, and no. Construction's always been a big background. If I ever needed to lean on it, you know, I'd take a job with a buddy or work with him or um, whatever I needed to do. But really, once things started going, I just put my head down and, and, and it was it was a grind. You, you, you were grinding. You, you, yeah. you, you weren't, you didn't have like families just writing you blank checks and buying whatever you wanted. I have a very supportive family, but I will say that my family loves me enough not to do that. You know, yeah. I think that you, uh, you hurt people by doing that. And we, I didn't come from a super wealthy family where they could have done that either, but I'm also grateful for the story for the, you know, the, the times that I would come back and I had two bikes on the trailer and I'm tired and I'd sit down and my newly wed wife would uh, I'd just get home. We'd have a, a movie started 15 minutes into it. And I'd get a notice that there was an FXDX for 4,500 bucks up at two hours away. You know, some guy got arrested, needed bail money or something. Yeah. I'm out the door. I'm gone, you know, because that's what it took. And there's only a couple guys doing that stuff at the time. There's a lot of guys now. Um, some of them are really good at it. Yeah. It's not really my forte anymore, but back then it was pretty much just me. And then Ventura Jobo, um, who passed away unfortunately a while ago, but it was really just him and I bringing these bikes into the, into California at that time. Yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a it was a growing market. It was a great opportunity. Whoever made the opportunity, and I I don't think it was very easy for I don't even think it was easy for you, but you did it and you created a business. So then you needed parts, and where were you getting your parts from? I'd order parts from whoever I could get them from. You know, there was a lot of companies that made stuff up in until that point, but it was limited in that it wasn't, um, you know, social media wasn't around. So the guy back Hills, Nebraska, Texas, wherever didn't, people didn't know about parts like that. 
I think being in Southern California has been a great thing for our company. Um, but really nowadays with social media, you can access so many different companies back then. Like you said, there weren't many, there was, uh, I think desk squad was around, um, West coast T bars was around still is, um, yeah. I really don't pay attention to yeah, there's a few other- companies, custom Chrome, you know, I mean, there's a few parts company, but you know, it's interesting that you said that because I've said it many times on this podcast that back in the days, there wasn't that many parts companies and, you know, it was very limited, but you're, you're right. Maybe there was tons of them, but because there wasn't no social media and there was no way of connecting, you know, who's making what in Tennessee or, you know, Texas, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. So this is, this is a good time. So w- when did you start getting into parts? That was probably about 2014. 2014? Um, yeah, I just... Uh, what, what was the problem and what was the solution that you, you had figured out? I couldn't get bars. I needed bars, so I just made a set, and they were pretty rad. Um, and then I found a guy who was in production on bars, and I said, hey, I, I want to make bars like this. Um, but I obviously can't sit around and weld these things up if I'm going to be doing this. At the time, I didn't see, honestly... the A market for it. I didn't know. I had demand. No, I, yeah. I had no idea how big it could have gotten or where it was going to go. I just knew I was going to do right by people. And I didn't care if I sold five bars or 10 bars, but whatever I had my name on was going to be the best I could make it. My big thing was I actually thought I was going to open up a dealership one day with unique bikes or something. But somewhere along the line, I realized I don't want to work as hard as I can so that I'm stuck at a dealership seven days a week. God bless the guys that are. That's just not what I wanted for my life. I wanted to be able to continue to innovate and create and, uh, Appreciate very much that God uh, gave me the opportunity to do that. Yeah, that dealer life. I, I did that dealer life. It's 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 fun. It's it's awesome to introduce and educate people on you know they want to get a motorcycle, the benefits of a motorcycle. You know, walk them through what motorcycle they should get. It, it, there's there, it's it's a, there's good and there's bad. The bad part is is just the culture of it. It just feels like you know the sales guys are against the service guys, the service guys are against the parts guys, the parts guys are against the manager. And now you can uh, tell that you've been in the industry because you're speaking my language. And, yeah, you know, and it's and it's the, and the managers never even touch the ground, and they're putting in all these new. You have to do this, you have to do this, and it's like guys, that doesn't work. You know, we know our clients. Like, it's it's so weird. It's like it's like everybody's against each other, and you know, e- even from the the clothing department, you know, it's like. We know what's going to sell, but they don't want to listen to. It's complicated. I, I I don't like that part of it. You have corporations that uh, create a competition-based um, environment. Yeah, where that that's what excels, and so that's where you get that environment from. And in in sales, that's just how it's probably going to be. Um, for me, I, I saw more of a mom and pop shop. It was four or five of us, really tight team, and I saw it just take the guy out who owned it. And uh, this is when it crashed, uh, the economy anyway. And being firsthand of that, it, it just made me think differently because you're relying on your chains um, to come through and to give you product. You're relying on loans to be there for people that, you know, all of a sudden if they can't get loans, they can't buy your product. And right. any of those things can take you out. And, and, you and, and you're relying to your local community where if you do something like what you do, parts, you can ship around the world. You're not, you're not limited exactly. in many ways. Yeah. And that's really what, what we didn't go the distributor route because of that. And I don't, I right. don't mean it bad. That was our choice. We don't ever plan on doing that. Uh, we have worldwide distribution. I work very hard for that. Um, I'm not saying that I'm proud of that because a lot of people work just as hard or harder, make the right decisions, maybe better decisions. It just worked for us. And we found ourselves in a position that we can distribute uh, worldwide every day and we don't need a distributor because of that. So 
we don't rely as much on brick and mortar stores. We partner with those that we believe in. We partner with the, the stores that we think are giving people good customer service and the rest of it's just direct to consumer. And we try really hard to take care of our customers. That's amazing. And, and, and if you look at your reviews, which I have, all your reviews say exactly what you're saying. I appreciate um, that. Thank you. No, it's, it's awesome. I mean, we appreciate what you're doing because you're getting the reviews. The, so you start making bars, you make this partnership, you're thinking you don't care if you sell one or two or you, you don't even care. You're almost doing this just, you know, to solve an issue. In the when market. they started taking off, I uh, was in did, connection with Gary at Leather Pros. I yeah. literally asked him to make me just a set of racks for my bike with no bags so I could weld on a rack that I could put a certain amount of bars on and take around to Southern California dealerships to I figured if I got three dealerships who wanted bars, I'd be making it, you know. Right. I was going to go deliver those bars. That was my vision. And I shouldn't say that because I've always, you know, I've had a big vision, but I just never really thought it was possible until things just started taking off. That was the immediate vision at that moment. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then you took it over there. I, I, I want to know. I want to know when, when you felt like the change. So... I don't want to throw out people's names or anything, but you know, it, it can be a tough industry to be in. And I definitely have my bumps and bruises, but there was a point that lit a fire under me when somebody basically screwed me over. And, um, was it, was it a partner? Cause it's usually, I've never had partners. Okay. Um, I, I, I grew this thing literally off the sale of that Dinah that I told you about that. Oh, three, I, I put my first, Hey, I want to do a production run of these are my bars. Um, they have to be exactly like this and started quality checking them, make sure they're good. Unfortunately, the first guy that I worked with gave me 40% crooked bars and basically Ooh. said, hey, sell them as blims. I'm like, dude, granted, this is my first run, but this is not how business is supposed to go. So he took them back, said he was going to check them, kept them, disappeared. Half of my, half of my income had gone. And uh, at that point, I'm looking at... Because you had to do a minimum order or something, right? Yeah, you got to do a minimum order. And and how much? How much was that? Well, generally when you run bars to get any kind of profit in there, you, you want to run, you know, a hundred at a time, uh, 200, 500. And, um, it was a, it was a big get risk for me. You know, I had some people that believed in me in my corner, my buddy, Adam, um, been there for me since day one. He's like, Hey man, I think that there's more potential in what you're doing with your bars than you flipping bikes. And he kind of painted a picture for me. And I, I never forgot that. I appreciate that guy because at that point, it was make or break, and I just decided I, there's, there's nothing else that's going to happen here. We're going to make it. We're going to take the bars that we do have that we've set are within our quality. I'm going to uh, completely go back over how we do our bars as far as how we connect with the company and the, the paperwork that's involved to make sure that this never happens again because I don't want to put my name on anything that's less than top quality. Um, since then, we've vert vertically integrated, taking some operations in-house, and it's been a it's been a ride, but... And that first time that that happened was just a, a gut-wrenching feeling. You know, I mean, I'd lost yeah. my job, freshly married, worked my way up to a pretty nice bike, sold that so that I could do my first business venture, and that happens, you know. That's crazy. So what, what took place after that? He corrected it, or you just took your loss and, and raised more money? Truth be told? Yeah. He kept the bars. He... And Convinced some kid Holics on that they were his design. He tried to sell them on Somebody sent a picture of me. I called him at his work. He worked at a local Harley Davidson. And I said, hey, man, I'm going to save you the embarrassment. And I texted him a picture of me with those bars. And I said, I know who you got these from. This is his name. This is what he drives. 
you could just hear the guy's jaw like drop. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not going to put that out there, but you need to take those down. You need to destroy those bars, cut them in half. Cause that is my bar. I actually have a patent on those bars. And if you put them out there and anyone thinks they're mine, I have to, you know, account for them, them being crooked or whatever they are. And I'm being as real as I can. Any manufacturer is going to tell you that they go through this stuff. The difference is when you walk out in my shop, I'll show you a pile of bars. I'll run over with a forklift cut in half because they're simply not good enough for my customers. And that's, that's really what makes or breaks a company. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of companies cheat that. Yeah. And then people pay consequences. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, I've, I've been tagged in. So since then, same guy, and I won't say the, the names, but came out with a bar, similar dimensions, and it's all welded together. And somebody actually tagged me in that bar being broken. So they said, fixing a Lucky Dave's bar. And I was like, wait, what? And this is yeah. back when I was all over my Instagram. I have somebody who runs it now. We can get into that later. But personally, I just, it wasn't good for me to be that involved, you know, because it, it's personal to me. So I called him up, basically said, hey, you need to take that down right now and post an apology. And I was pretty hot, but he ended up being really cool. We apologized. It wasn't even our bars. You know, our bars are all one piece. Can't even happen. So it's frustrating the things you have to go through just to protect your name um, that have nothing to do with you. Yeah, and, and, and it happens a lot because clients don't know sometimes. You know, they, sometimes they don't know. Sometimes they buy a used bike and somebody's like, hey, there's Lucky Dave's, you know, bars on here. And, you know, it's really some, you know, China knockoff or, you know, whatever, some different brand. And if and people something do happens. know, they can see them. But, right. Um, but if yeah, people do are, know. But, the, but again, it's, it's back to why we were talking about, you know, getting together and doing the podcast. It's kind of to just educate, you know, the public on, you know, what the difference is between quality and brands and being, you know, family owned versus a manufacturer, et cetera. Absolutely. You know, where, where the value is, you know, that I, I guess, I guess that's what we want to like focus on is the value that Lucky Days brings. Yeah. What's going on with Lucky Days now? Like what, what's, what's. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm hesitant to tell that story uh, that I just did because I don't, negativity breeds negativity. Positivity breeds positivity. But I also don't want to withhold that story because that was a huge learning moment for me. Right. And anybody else who's looking to do something, you know, you, you deserve to hear that. And at this point, I'm not butthurt over it. You know, when, when I'm still affected by some, I don't talk about it because of that very reason. But right. at this point, it was one of the best things that happened to me. No, but it's so, not, and it was necessary. Yeah. So moving forward, we, uh, we have um, a 6,000 square foot facility here in Southern California that does all of our distribution. Uh, we do R&D in-house and prototypes. Um, all of our customer service is handled here. And then we have, uh, obviously, people know that Saddleman makes our seats up in... Um, I'm going to move that closer to you. Yeah, not far from us. Um, some of our bar operations are um, in-house, and then we have a couple of manufacturers locally that we work with. We keep real close eye on all of our stuff. Um, but we have a pretty good organization just right here in Southern California, and we're happy to provide jobs to these companies for people uh, with the, the business we're able to provide them. No, the, the facility is amazing. The operations are awesome. The staff is excellent. And again, your customer service across the board is, is, is nothing but, you know, five stars, no matter where you look up Lucky Days. Now, what are your top, uh, I know you have a lot of new products, which we wanted to discuss, but what are, you, what are your top sellers right now? Um, man, our, our Lucky 13s are a favorite. You know, our San Diego bar is our, that was our original T-bar. Um, it's a four band uh, top bar, one piece really tight, aggressive bends, unique look. And we basically take that same top bar, built an inch and a half of pullback. Um, and it was the first of its style like that uh, on the market. That's been a huge seller for us. Um, I mean, really, at this point, our, our risers are doing really well. Um, our heavy hitters are doing really well. It's hard. Uh, our hard parts are doing really well. Seats have always been a great one for us. 
unfortunately with everything going on with COVID, that's been a little difficult, just uh, fulfilling. And we're an in-stock company. What I mean by that is we strive as hard as we can be be in stock and you're not going to buy something from us unless it's in stock. Right. Um, you know, the only caveat to that is if it's something that's custom, you can't pre-make Well, a that. special order or something. Yeah. So something like that is the only caveat, but otherwise we don't sell things unless they're in stock. And without going into details, you know, we have a great relationship with our manufacturer. Um, they're doing everything they can, but everybody's struggling right now because you got people being incentivized to stay home. You got people who are scared to go to work because they live with their grandmother. And I think during this time, everybody has to make their own decisions, but the reality is it's affecting supply chains. So, um, we haven't done a lot in the way of seats recently. Um, it's really been a push for hard parts just to try and make up for some of that lost money during uh, this COVID. And, you know, again, I'm just being open and honest because I know there's other people who are struggling out there trying to make their own decisions, trying to figure out how they get through this stuff. And that's just how we're navigating, you know, trying to make money where we can, whatever products we can fulfill, um, really focusing on those. And along with that, we're excited to be creating a lot of new uh, hard parts we got coming out. That's awesome. Uh, this whole COVID thing, I, I can, I mean, off the top of my head, I could see a lot of benefits in a sense for, in business sense, and I could see a lot of downfalls for business sense. So instead of me assuming, how is it affecting your business? Have you seen a boom or have you seen? In some ways, it's been incredible in that, um, you know, initially what I was just talking about, it's like, hey, we need to, we need to figure out what this means for us. And in California, you have more restrictions than just about anywhere else. I, I love this state and I hate it at the same time. You know, I think yeah. we all feel that way, but anyway. I've said it a million times. It's a hate yeah. love relationship. Yeah. And that's a strong word to come out of my mouth, but I mean, it just, sometimes you're like looking at how much money's going out and how many restrictions. And especially during something like this, there are times where we didn't even know what we could do or where we fell in or, you know, Hey, we're motorcycle parts. What about the guy that only rides motorcycles? Are we essential? You know, yeah. um, the guy who had an insurance job is sitting in his, bike sitting on a lift and he needs his replacement bars that to me is essential yeah so trying to navigate through that stay open um it's actually not hit us as hard as it could have um, because of some tough decisions we made early on uh, but i'll be honest with you it, it took a big chunk of our revenue out and had we not you know just had faith in in the demand for our parts and that people are at home and there's money going to be spent and double down on other things we went huge on our bar supply um, we're in stock. We're really pushing that right now, which want to let people know that we're here for you. There's no lead time on bars. Uh, our gen two risers are coming out. It's given us a time to develop parts. We may not have otherwise been able to, it's given us a time to work on keeping things in stock and focusing on what we can control versus, you know, spinning out on things that we can't. Right. Um, but overall it's, it, you know, you said some good things, some bad things. There's been the boom, but there's also been, I mean, you can't talk about a family business without talking about family. I, I'm thankful for the time I've gotten to spend with my kiddos. I know. think we all are. Yeah. I, I think, I think everybody can agree that this year has been a great time to catch up with the family. Yeah. As yeah. long as you love your family, you know, there's some people that don't love their family and they're like, fuck. I mean, the domestic violence is up, you know, unfortunately divorce is up. Unfortunately people losing their kid. I mean, it's, it's, it's sad, but yeah. for those that really haven't had time to bond You're with, absolutely their, with their family, right. It, 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 this has been, you know, a godsend and in some sense. Yeah. And, you know, I, I wasn't as aware of, of that. We have it pretty good. And, uh, you always got to step back and look at those who may be struggling during this time, because I think it's important that we all come together. And if even you saying that right now, acknowledging that rings a bell to somebody who's listening, you know, you think of somebody to reach out, you know, give them a call because 
right now everybody's so isolated. I think everybody's scared. They don't even know how their friends really feel about them coming around or, or then there's some people that don't care and act like nothing's happening. There's people that are holed up and have three months of supply. And the, the fact is society is completely, um, it's just been affected in ways that we've never seen. I see it in my eight year old little girl, you know, she doesn't have as much time with her friends and she's an amazing kiddo, but then she starts pestering dad like she would a friend, you know, and I gotta, I gotta understand. Okay. I get it. But you can see the effects that it's having and uh, it's a good thing, but it's, it's a double edged sword. And I think it's the biggest thing about that is that society needs to stop pointing the fingers at each other and learn how to have a little more understanding and grace Say, Hey, we're going to get through this, you know, because the reality is we can't even look to our elected officials to tell us what's going on because the fingers are pointed at them so hard that nobody wants to say, Hey, yeah, I'll be responsible for death. This is what you do. Right. Nobody wants to do that. And we have a, a and, society and, that just points fingers. Yeah. And, and, and the problem with the pointing fingers is, is that you, you're going to say, people are going to say the wrong thing sometimes because the information changes, you know, just like the CDC, the CDC changed at least four or five times. But the difference is, is when, you know, you're somebody and you say something, everybody points the finger and said, but you said something else earlier. Yep. And it's like, well, yeah, I know, but I changed my mind or I have new information or things changed. Yeah. And people don't want to accept that. In any business relationship, friendship, whatever it is, you should have the right to clarify content. You know, you say something, right. you're like, hey, you know what? That may have come across wrong. Our politicians don't get that these days. And I, I don't pay attention to it. I don't want to get into all that stuff. It's, right. it's such no, a mess, no, no, but it's, it's just... The point is gray area. we as society should stop feeding into all that negativity, figure out how we can influence those who are around us. You know, who is our circle, whether it's your, your family, because that's all you can be around, the people at work. But positivity breeds positivity, and we can, we can turn things around, you know. Yeah. I, I, I mentioned to you briefly about that uh, Social Dilemma show on Netflix. Yeah. And I was just thinking about a video that I was watching where it's like it's, it's so interesting because instead of helping people, you know, if we see somebody fall, you know, instead of helping them up, you know, the thing is pull out your camera and record it. And, you know, like it, it's it's screwed up. We're, we're, we're really in screwed up times. And I guess that's what that show's about, that it's just going to get worse. You know, you man, know? I, and I do want to talk about our parts, but I, we can uh, this to me was the, the I was like, that's enough. You know, that's just disgusting. Um, recently, you had that kid that and I'm not saying that that he I'm not condemning him. I'm not taking a stance on that because that. I don't want to do that, but the 17 year old that ended up defending himself and killing people, the guy with the skateboard that got shot in the gut, he died. Yeah. And two days later, there's memes up. Yeah. That's oh, like, there, oh, when you came yeah. to play Tony Hawk and they're playing Call of Duty, you know, that dude brother. may have a, a niece, a nephew, a brother, a mom. He got somebody it's mourning like that. That brother there's memes on all of them it's wrong you know it's just on that all of them and rather than pointing fingers at our politicians i think we all need to take a look and be like yo like we are in this together you know this is not something that we can get through by continuing to ostracize and isolate there's more hate in the world right now than there's been there's in a very long been. time yeah there's ever been and and the issue is is is, is that you know our children uh, you know our children it's very difficult because I mean, imagine being eight years old right now and, and not getting, to, I mean, I get the not going to school is kind of fun. You know, I don't like to go to school, but you don't get to see your friends. You don't get yeah. the recess. You don't get the, like the stuff you do look forward to that, that that's, that's, you know, it's a bit of a mind, 
game, you know, game for children. Parents are having to figure out and navigate how they can, you know, get their kids together. And not everybody who rides Harleys and cares about our parts has kids. Right. Uh, you know, so we don't need to take. Yeah. Yeah. No, we don't have to get that, but but it's just something we never looked at and we don't know how it's going to work out because we're kind of living through the whole thing. But, um, here, we'll just pause real quick. And, and we're back uh, from that pause. We have our iced teas now to cool down. Um, and, and again, we'll, we'll just drop the topic. You know, it, it's, it's really screwed up. We don't, I don't know how people are dealing with it. Um, but we, at this point, nobody knows how to deal with it. So we just got to yeah. figure it out and, and you know, check on our friends and check on our loved ones and call or in text. And, hey, that's is everybody thing, okay? You know? It's like, hey, whatever, you, reach whatever out. you can do, that's what we should do. That's, that's it. it. And, and, and be positive. I mean, that's all we can do. Um, okay, let's talk about um, the family business. Uh, from, from the beginning... You started, when did you get the shop? Because I'm, I'm sure you were starting everything from your garage, right? So I had a, um, because of the nature of the business, I stopped doing business out of my house um, early on. Figured out that wasn't a good idea just because people would, you post something, somebody really wanted a bike and some guy would want to come and you have a time posted and the guy, other guy would show up an hour early and you, know, you got guys arguing over a FXDXT, you know, in front At of At your you. house. Yeah, and I didn't need that. Or somebody feeling like you sold it out from under him. So, and that um, happens a lot. It does, unfortunately, because when you have a unicorn, that's what I call them, you know, people get their feelings hurt. So in any case, I got a little garage actually behind a Mexican joint in North Oceanside. Um, there's a uh, Wiener Schnitzel that went famous because a local guy did a wall ride on a dirt bike on it. That's the parking lot where I started my um, started my business out of. And I had a double wide garage. You couldn't tell because there was a dumpster in front. So it looked like a single, like every other one, but it was only double wide. And there was a guy that lived next door. He went by the name of Maverick Mark, and he stayed in one of the other garages, so he kind of kept an eye out. Um, that was a wild time. We had all kinds of stuff that went on around there, and at any point in time, I'd have $30,000 worth of motorcycles and you know, almost that much in tools probably, and yeah. nobody knew it in, in North Ocean side. I could tell you some I'm, funny stories. Yeah, I'm guessing not 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 a, not the best area. No, it, it's a long cry from what it was when we were growing up. When it was Hill Street, you know, anybody knows Oceanside, and we drive up and down, literally get like donuts and just be entertained by people walking up down the street or cop activity or whatever. Uh, it's changed a lot, but North Oceanside back then still had some. I mean, it is what it is. There's just everywhere has their places, and I was probably in one of the worst spots. It just was what it was. But it was 150 bucks a month. Yeah, fuck, that's a scorn. Yeah. And, and, and you, and for sure it was better than bringing people to your house and you yeah, know. it was worth it for me. And I didn't really care the people, I got to know everybody, all the locals, everybody knew me and we all got along, respected each other. It was just when somebody came in from out of town who trying to you know use in the parking lot or run prostitutes who didn't know what was going on around there, just all kinds of stuff that can't happen in a parking lot at one in the morning. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And then oh, after bars, what was the next, what was the next step for, for lucky days? So, uh, we actually got on the map with bars, um, and I had a uh, idea that I wanted to get and, and, off the road. And, and, and I'm sorry, I'm sorry for cutting you off on no, that. You could. Uh, the bars, you know, was the launch pad. How did you market your bars, you know, for all the entrepreneurs, for all the people starting off during that time? Obviously, it's different. Yeah. But how, how did you get the name out there? And then what was the next product? I went to Harley Davidson's locally. And I got sh- the door shut on me or I got the parts managers not here or yeah, you and everybody else. And 
nothing against those guys, but they're right, me and everybody else. And I realized right at that time, I'm going to put my prices along with everybody else. I'm not going to try and grow my brand through devaluing. Either I belong here or I don't. And I'm just going to make quality parts and they'll either speak for themselves or they won't. And probably less than a year later, all three of those Harley Davidson dealerships had contacted us and set up as dealers. And uh, it it really came down to a let your product speak for itself, take care of your customers. Somebody calls and they have a problem, you know, make it right. So so you would go to these dealerships, they would shut you down. Would you be like, here, just just try the bars out or just drop them off? Or I mean, they wouldn't I, even I, come I, out of the plastic. I mean, it was just a. How, how did you how did you break through? Was it the being persistent? Um, it really was Instagram. Instagram. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that's really where it came we're, from. We're talking Instagram. about 2015, 14 still? Um, no, it was later than that when it really, when I first started, and I'm not good with time, man. The past five, six years has been a blur. Just put my head down and work, and I look up, and people are, hey, man, congratulations. Or somebody took a, one of our, a picture of a shirt in the Antarctic. Nice. Are you kidding me? That's oh, pretty that's rad, fun. you know? That's super yeah, awesome. I have a picture of some uh, biologist in the... Um, and a Lucky Dave's tee over her jacket standing next to penguins. Pretty rad. That's awesome. So anyway, and don't fact correct me because if it's Antarctica that has penguins, then it was there. Yeah. <laughs> Wherever there's penguins. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but yeah, we've done a, we've done a lot since then and been, uh, been able to just get our name out really through, um, partnering with influencers. We had a lot of influencers on early on. Uh, we've always been about supporting the riding community. So as that became something that was more, frontline and people started paying attention you know those guys were pretty loyal to us because we always stood behind them and tried to take care of them we still do our riders are a huge base for us uh, obviously we offer them a little more now than we did back then we were a new company giving them parts and they had a name and we're very very appreciative of those guys who helped us out from the beginning any any tips on on getting influencers i mean were all the influencers you picked up were they people you knew or was it people that reached out or you reached out to them for me it was mutually beneficial it was organic it was grassroots um i oh, don't nice. know that i could tell you how to recreate that um just local guys and uh just forming a friendship really i mean i really care about the guys i still do even the guys that don't ride for me anymore i i, I see them doing their thing and i'm super stoked for them it's no, never I, been anything but good thoughts you know because the reality is everybody has their seasons and their times where something fits and something doesn't and we all got to go through um our, our changes in life so it was hard for me as somebody who really cares about people to see influencers come and go uh, but i think in some ways you have to have a level of that so first and foremost um sorry guys to my writers but as a company you can't be held hostage by influencers period you can't right. get to that point. Um, so you just don't want to let yourself get there because um, you get too big of a leverage there and all of a sudden you're, you know, all your money's going out the door. So we try to benefit our guys in any way that we can. If they need help getting to events, whether it's monetary, whether they need uh, a fresh, you know, seat recover, a new seat, new bars, whatever it is, when they're in the family, they're in the family. Nice. And that's the other side of it is pick the ones you want to take care of and make sure you really take care of those guys. Yeah. Oh, that's super important. And then that, that's why I ask, because the other issue is, is you have so many influencers, well, influencers, I'm making quotation marks, that reach out and they just want, you know, they reach out to all these companies and they just want free product and, you know, they don't even have that many followers or you don't even know if they're really doing their own stunt. It, it's just hard to weave the good and the bad. Yeah. But you're, you're saying you get keep emails it. constantly. You're right. And companies like us, I'm sure, get emails and Instagram and um, you have a, a threshold you just can't go past. And right. 
naturally, just like if we can't provide our, our riders, you know, what they need or they have a better opportunity, I, I, I wish them the best. Um, if we see up and coming guys that have a, a better following or a bigger following, I mean, it's always up for grabs and it's a, it's a competition. Yeah. Yeah. Companies are competing for that. That's interesting. Yeah. Which, I mean, really that should show the guys, uh, who are riding out there and have seen our team riders that have been on for so long, you know, some of our top guys, um, I could drop a bunch of names, but I would miss some and I don't want to, I don't want to do yeah. that. So I'm not even going to go down that road, but you don't want to pick or choose. You got it. But the, the reality is some of our top guys have been with us for a very long time. And that really speaks to them as to how good they are and how they handle themselves and conduct themselves. That's amazing. Now, right now you got a ton of new products. We do not, not, a, and not a ton, but you have new products and you're, we're talking about high quality next level, you know, products that you've been working on. Yeah. We've, we've been pretty excited to dive more into the hard parts. Um, I really enjoy that. You know, it's one thing to, to shape out a seat and go back and forth and dial it in. But, um, this hard parts venture the past couple of years that I've been kind of getting more familiar with has been really fun. Uh, it's challenging. Um, you know, it's, you would think making a new triple tree or making a bracket. If you've done it before, you understand how naive the statement is, but you would think that it would be pretty simple. You take measurements, you put it on. There are so many things that go into making a custom part to go on a, a bike that's manufactured in different plants and changes in different years. And, um, there's just a lot that goes into bringing a product to market. So that's really where my focus has been. And we're finally at a point where we're getting ready to bring out. We've got grips uh, coming that are in design right now. Um, we're wanting to get into doing some more stuff with crash bars and some different bolt-on products. Uh, but currently, we our triple tree is coming out, which will allow a hard mount for our heavy hitter platform. If anybody's not familiar with what that is, uh, we call anything that can be mounted at the four and a half inch on center as far as the risers where they mount to the triple tree. Stock right. is three and a half inch on center. So we made a four and a half inch on center platform originally using a relocation bracket so that on a road glide on the newer ones, they could completely lock their bike. They, they could turn the, 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 the lock, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. The ignition switch. Yeah. And that's the, 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 to my knowledge is the only bar of that style that allows you to lock your road glide on the newer, the newer bikes. Um, our bracket allows that there was an original design uh, the San Diego bar that we did in the heavy hitter platform. So it's basically our San Diego bar, four and a half inch on center and the risers. And then the tubing itself is actually inch and a half. Um, still really high quality, thick wall DOM, but inch and a half at four and a half inches on center gives a much more uh, yeah, proper man. look on the baggers for with, sure. With the, front, with the front end going up all the way with yeah. the fairing itself. I rode it looks my beefier. Road King with the, our Lucky 13s, the 15 inch. Yeah. And they looked really good. I didn't know anything. You know, I, I, I'm like, man, that looks badass. Until we made these bars and I put my road glide next to my road king and I literally just, I had, I was taken aback because I could not believe how much more this platform fits the FLH than any inch and a quarter, three and a half inch on center, you know, can just because of the width of the uh, forks and the size of the forks. Did you feel any, any improvement in the handling of, of the overall performance? You know, I did because coming off of a Dyna and an FXR, uh, riding in SoCal, I've always been narrower is better, you know, splitting lanes, you know, right. going fast through lanes, riding with packs, narrower is better, narrower is better. 
but you step onto a road glide and now you've got a fairing that's 30 a fixed fairing. something inches wide 32 inches wide yeah fixed fairing you can't move it if you want you can't to. even move it if you wanted to that's so, why i went with the street glide because you know it's slow traffic you can kind of manipulate you know getting through traffic but with the road glide it, it's it's there yeah and i guess the point is with either and the street glide um, you have that width anyway and on a dyno or an fxr I wanted that narrowness and the front end is not as heavy right on the bagger as soon as i got on it and i had been riding my road king for a while with our original lucky 13s that are 28 inches wide the front end didn't feel heavy at first because i was used to it on the dyna and it just took a little getting used to right when i got on my road glide with the new heavy hitters and i rode it around took about 30 minutes to get used to it because they were wider but it was a totally different feeling the wider bars gave it much more um just a much easier handling and that bike's already done just the, the motor being mounted lower everything they did in that frame is so much better than it used to be uh, so putting those bars on there i mean i've never ridden a bike that felt and handled that way with such simple modifications i was pretty excited to bring that uh, on board that's awesome and we got we got grady he just came in and joined us grady how are we doing brother good how are y'all good. so we're, we started talking about the new parts that you guys are, are, are bringing in What's that bad boy? This is the uh, new riser, the Peacemaker riser. This is their And I know what it is. Gen, but I was just yeah. talking for the audience. I think they're going <laughs> to like it. We changed it up a little bit with the ports and the holes. And um, Are you guys going to make it in that color on that finish? So that's we already make raw. it in that finish. This is just the raw finish. This is actually just right out of the sandblast and the way it looks. So we usually we bright dip them all, but I do have uh, some chrome ones and some other ones. But, yeah, this is just the raw Standard color, it's not, that looks it's awesome. not even touch. Yeah, yeah I, so I guess you could probably put like a some kind of coat over it. I'd have to look at it, but I, yeah, you know, it just doesn't. The reality is, it's pre coat, but we yeah. keep we keep that's first article of our Gen 2, so that's why that's a, a raw uh, aluminum 6061 that you're looking at. It's inch and a half tubing again. Um, on this, as Grady was saying, it's got three quarter inch, so you can see how big that internal wiring is, make it easy that's for the installer. Awesome. So, whether people are paying a dealership. Or they're doing it themselves. Either way, it's going to save you money because you got that big opening all the way through. Um, in addition, we only had our pullbacks for Gen 1. So. Yes. So now we're going out there. we got our straight risers put up. And it kind of gives that same, uh, like you were talking about just a minute as I walked in, the beefier feel from the... Uh, I love the beefier feel. Yeah. And, it just, and they, Oh, and it just comes apart. Yeah. Like when people get it and they... Um, obviously, you can't hear, hear it on the uh, podcast that well. But when they screw it together, the modular feel is just... It's like putting together a weapon almost. It's just it's pretty. Yeah. You can't really hear it. You can hear his little slide on it. But That's it's, amazing. It's pretty he cool. has it on the mic. He has it an inch away from his mic, and you barely hear it. Yeah, and it's cool. You could be able to, you know, and what I like about them, too, if you buy and you say you run in 10 inches on your bars, so that you make it quick disconnect to the, all the uh, wiring fits right through there. But if you want to drop down to eight or move it up, you can just obviously buy new legs, different size legs. So this you this gives you so many different varieties. Yeah. There's, actually, there's actually options we haven't even done. Uh, when I engineered these, they were um, made to work with inch and a quarter as well. So you see that lip at the bottom. We can run an inch and a quarter leg and we can put them on here, but... Even that on the dinos, awesome. we, you just switched off the ends. In like yeah, two so our uh, that's proprietary to our our risers. We take our head off, and our riser stay or our riser leg stays the same, and the head actually has the integrated pullback or the straight in it with the same elevation rise. So you get the same net off the same leg as far as rise. If that makes that's, sense. And yeah, it makes perfect sense. And 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 you can, in a sense, hypothetically, like if I wanted to buy like a. a, a 
a matte black or, you know, a gloss black or a chrome, I could pretty much switch them off, mm -hmm. you know, whatever it takes to. You can mix and match. We have a lot of different variations are, that are Did you available. guys plan that? Yep. That was the whole idea? And that's yeah. one of the main reasons we swapped to the three-quarter inch like hole that. so you can just play with it as you want to. Six months you want red. Next six months you want black. Next six that's months you want straight. I mean, yeah. the initial design idea, it really, for the modular, is because if I made this out of a solid block of aluminum, I'd have a ton of wasted material and a ton of wasted tool time. Right. Um, anybody who manufactures understands that. So to cut that down, uh, you run your legs and then you run your heads and you have minimal wasted material. Why hasn't this been done before? Um, and, you know, and, and, I, and I, I, yeah, why hasn't this been done before? And, and why not? I don't know all that's out there. I don't want to claim that it hasn't been done before. I will say I'll put my risers up against anybody who's are out there. They're completely different because I designed them from scratch. I, I've never seen such a thing. Yeah. Um, we're pretty proud of them because of that. And like I said, I mean, it takes a lot more time. Even our Gen 1s, they're pretty rad, but there was some room to improve. And so we're pretty excited to bring these out with our straights. We held off on bringing our straights because we didn't want to uh, bring out new technology for old. And we knew this was coming. Uh, in addition, we have our isolated top clamp. So in other words, it's an individual clamp. I'll grab the 3D print for you real quick. But that's a... Uh, it's a top clamp that's going to mount them to where they're together rather than individual caps, which we've currently had. We held off on that until we came out with our Gen 1 as well because they wouldn't have fit. So now that we've got our Gen 1 out, we're going to be coming out with all our adapter pieces and whatnot. But I'll grab that for you real quick. Yeah, yeah. This is rad. This is, I did not expect all this. Look at this. They got it even camouflage. They got it on a matte gold with camouflage. This is amazing. I'm taking pictures of this. You know that, right? And you can grab the uh, gold. The chrome one is uh, shows the six inch. You guys will be losing your mind. This is why I got to start doing video. Oh, so that kind of breaks down the six, eight, tens, and these are obviously the twelve inch legs. This is awesome because th this solves the problem for the person that buys like the eight and wanted to go bigger, or the person that got the thirteens wanted to go smaller. You know, and you we don't market them that way. But if somebody <laughs> buys a set of risers and they want to go taller, we will sell a set of legs or what what i like about this is that you could pretty much if you want to go with the eight inch or you know the what is this that's a net height of six so obviously that's not six inches but when you screw it into the with the bottom yeah. clamp your bar the center line of your bar is going to be a net of six inches that's how we measure all of our bars is to the center of the grips or in a, a riser situation it's to the center of the one inch bar that's going in there that that makes perfect sense but what's nice is you could change the height of your bars at any time. Yeah. As a matter of fact, you could even change the angle based on the, the clamp, right? Yeah. If you you know decided you want pullbacks instead of straights, or if you decide you want tens instead of eights, or whatever you want to do, we can set those aside. We can it's, repeat customizing if we need to. Um, there are, truth be told, we can do crazy stuff with these yeah. risers. We don't do a lot of them, but if somebody has a next level build and they contact us, we can literally paint match do multiple colors, you know, the, the clamp and the riser leg can be different. And if you see the different colored inlaid paint, uh, we can do These are different too. colored inlaid paints. You know, it's a whole nother level of customization. You can really get three colors out of these without making them look too busy. Yeah. Well, is this on the site right now? Yeah, they're currently up. This um, is up. This is selling. People can get out there. And Yes and no. So we are our, our Gen 2 risers. We have not loaded our Gen 1s. We're in the process of cutting our, our single top clamp. Um, that you see there, the 3D print, that's being cut currently. We have all of our straight risers and our pullbacks uh, with 12-inch legs. Um, 
being finished right now. They're, they're going through a bright dip process and we have our other legs coming out of production very soon. So first to hit this, the site, which would probably be the most popular, that's what everybody wants, are the 12 inch uh, straight and pullback risers. And then after that, we'll be bringing out um, the other size legs as soon as we get them in. What, what, what requirements, let's say I'm buying bars. Let's say I don't know anything about this industry. How do I know if I want to go, you know, pull back or straight? You know, what, you know, is it, is it a height thing? Is it a style thing? What, what's, what's your professional recommendation? Or you can mix That's it up however you want. Fantastic question. Um, fitment is huge, especially for me. You know, we already went over the background for anybody who's been listening about why I think function is so important. Everything comes down to how you're setting up the rider in that aspect. You can have great suspension, but you're all stretched out and you're not going to enjoy your ride. Point is, for me, I found 90 degree angles, your shoulders, your hips, your knees, at least on a Harley platform. It's going to give you the best blood flow. It's going to help you ride uh, to your best at a longer time than you would otherwise. So when you're talking about addressing that with seats, um, peg position, bars, you kind of need to know all those things in combination. Do you have forwards? Do you have mids? Whatever happens up top tends to want to happen down below. So if you're leaning forward down below and you have your legs out for forward controls, you're going to be compensating to where that's the best you can be with forward controls as opposed to the guy that's like on a wide glide that has forward controls and he's got 16s that are up in his chin, you know, right. now he's like got T-Rex bent arms into his shoulders and he's literally mid crunch the whole time he's riding with no backrest. Right. You know, we, that's the worst case scenario. So yeah, it's pretty extreme. Yeah. So you want to avoid that. You'll have guys that uh, have wide glides, you know, more of a rake and they'll say, Oh, I like your lucky 13s. Well, it's great you like the way they look. We want to put your hands in the right position. You may want the San Diego bar that doesn't have pullback because you have more of a rake on the wide glide and you don't need the pullback. Right. Then obviously, like you said, comes down to size. So you can go pullbacks being a taller guy. I know a lot of guys that do, um, whether it's because you want a lower riser and you want to position that bar further back to give yourself a little more bend so you can have a more aggressive ride or that's just where you want them. It's not really a perfect science, but if somebody's just off the cusp, doesn't know what they have, um, never had anything else, they don't know what to compare it to, generally a pullback riser is going to be for a shorter guy so he can reach that 90-degree mark in his shoulders straight out without getting above his shoulders by the time he gets there, without having right. to reach forward and now putting more pressure on his lower back than he should. Yeah, because some people don't realize when you go with like a, you know, when you go straight instead of pullback, when you do that U-turn, some people can't reach all the way. And what I'm kind of doing is stretching one hand forward and the other one back because I'm trying to make a U-turn. Not a U-turn, but, you know, a sharp turn. And people can't reach that and do that turn, and sometimes they drop the bike because of that. So it's yeah. really important that the fitment is you know, riding right. A, a road glide, and with our heavy hitters, it's got that bracket. Um, currently, we're coming out with our hard mount, triple tree, and gauge buckets, all kinds of stuff. But currently, I run our bracket. Super solid setup. I love it. Can rip on the thing. If I didn't have the relocation of that bracket, I would be running our heavy hitter Lucky 13s. Now, currently, we don't have those out because we only have the relocation bracket. So right. you wouldn't want the bracket plus the relocation of the pullback in the risers. Changes the way it rides totally. But if I didn't have that, I would want those Lucky 13s for exactly what you're talking about because when I'm in a hard lock, slow speed, working the hard clutch, lock. yep, that's when I feel like I'm maxed out. And I'm perfect with the, with the bracket, but if I didn't have that, I would definitely need pullback up top in the risers. Yeah. We get a lot of phone calls here too about it. We encourage anyone that has questions about the seat and bar setup and what sizes to go to call here. And we kind of walk them through it. 
we try not to tell them exactly what they need, but we go off height and preferences of all the peak customers we have that call and we kind of get them set up what we think would be best for them and give them recommendations on it. So like I said, I would recommend everyone calling based off. And I would definitely, one thing that Dave mentioned, but didn't really go into detail, we recommend getting the bars and the setup that fits best with you, not by going the cheap route and saying, well, my wiring or my cables only allow me to do 12. So I'm just going to do 12. I tell my guys that on the front end all the time. I tell them, Hey, we don't want to sell bars based on somebody wanting to look cool. We don't want to sell bars based on bars looking cool on the shelf. We want to sell bars to the person who maybe has never experienced a bike and maybe has ridden for 30 years, but regardless, we nailed the fitment and they never want to ride anything else. So we have one chance to get it right for them. Let's convince them to take their time. We may lose customers because of that, but those customers don't have a great experience because when your bite's not set up correctly, properly, um, you don't want to get on it as much. That's just the reality. It's uncomfortable. Yeah, it's a, it's a turnoff. Yeah, and we're also going to have a little bit here coming up, some, some videos and pictures of trying to get different size people sitting on the bikes from different size bars and stuff. Yeah, give so, our customers an idea. Like, so you can give like a tutorial look at it. So you can look at someone that's, you know, I'm 5'10", you know, 190 pounds at them dry. <laughs> <laughs> but you but, had the, the, the tie tee. Yeah, the tie yeah, tee. So some of them are pretty good. No I'm, boba. I'm, I'm a little, no boba, a little slim, a little slim today. But you give it kind of things. You got people calling in and they're pop on a bike and they may have seen Dave's bike and they're like, well, he's got 17s on this bike. This seems extreme. You know, like, well, yeah, but Dave's only five, uh, five, eight, five, eight. I didn't want to no. say shorter, even though he looks five, four, you know, but everyone thinks about it and you kind of get the different platform and they get off a of dyna and they now cause baggers are getting to be a cool thing. And they hop on their road glide and they're like, well, I want the lucky 13 or the San Diego and whatever size they're on a whole different platform, a whole different thing. And like Dave said, we just try to encourage them to get what, will we'll make them ride the bike longer vice just making it look cool for an Instagram post. Yeah. I, I got, I got a weird question for you guys since you guys are dealing with bars so much, what causes some bikes to get your hand numb and some bikes none that doesn't keep it none. Is that, is that where it's just, is that bad setup? Is that you're getting everybody old? Everybody deals that, with it on a different level. Yeah. Um, I, that was it's, a huge component for me in designing my bars. And I think that's also one of the reasons why they're so successful. And it's also, um, you know, it's frustrating when somebody just takes that from you and slightly changes it because the hand positioning is everything. And yeah. it's, uh, it's, a, it's, it's not just for comfort. It's not just for blood flow. There is a perfect position you can put your hands in where you would naturally have your fist if you were to put it out. You know, just like if you're a young kid in karate and they teach you not to teach with your or punch with your three yeah, side your knuckles because yeah. you're going to bend your wrist and break it. Well, so many bars do the exact same thing to you. And now you're hitting your clutch, right, with that kink in your wrist, or you're hitting the throttle with that kink in your wrist, and it completely throws off your body because you don't realize that you're compensating and you're holding on tighter and you're fatiguing yourself unnecessarily simply because of the a little tweak in the bars. And uh, after we go through this, I can show you there's actually a, a stack of bars from our very, very, very first uh, R&D process on our bars before I got them, my San Diego bars dialed and they're just little slight tweaks, but they made a huge amount of difference. And I put miles on them and I can tell you, I, there were times where guys around me, I'd have like braces on my wrist because I rode a bar and I didn't have time to change it out. And it, I changed it slightly, but it would cause a huge issue in my wrists. So yeah. it's just a, you know, it's kind of a process figuring out what's good what for, works you, for you. And, and then also what's good for the medium, because you can't just custom make stuff for me. Luckily I'm pretty average for the people we cater to, but 
Then you got bigger guys, smaller guys. So you got to kind of hit that average. But I feel we've done that pretty well with our bars. Yeah. No, no, absolutely. I mean, again, everybody talks great things about them. You know, but positioning, positioning is everything. And it's just weird because sometimes I just noticed that on certain bikes, you know, my, my, my hand goes numb and, and I couldn't figure it out. But, you know, I added risers and all of a sudden I don't, you know, it doesn't do it anymore. You're kinking your blood flow. It's like a, a garden hose and all of a sudden you don't have as much pressure. You know, you, that numbness, that tingling is a lack of blood flow is the reality of it. Yeah. Everyone rides different too. You got the whole riding posture. Like I think I slouch a lot after 30, 45 minutes of riding. I tend to slouch in my seat, and so kind of changes it up too. So just kind of position yourself in there, and you just got to figure yeah, it I out. Try, I try not to yeah. slouch. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. we all try not to. We all look cool when we leave our driveway, right? It's yeah. like 45 minutes on the road that we. But if you're intentional yeah. about it, you can increase your ride time without you know that yeah. fatigue because you. When you're slouching, you're using muscles rather than your skeletal structure to hold you up. So you're fatiguing your lower back, and you're also not distributing. That makes perfect sense, yeah. Yeah, so that's another reason why within our seat design, the lumbar um, design that I have is a little more gradual than some of our competition because it actually rolls your hips forward in a position that makes your lumbar have that natural slight On the curve. seat, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that's badass. What model is that? Um, that's on all of ours. Now, granted, some of them are a little more extreme than others in the lumbar. So the older Dyna, some of the Sportsters, the smaller frames, because you got to work within the geometry you have of the frame. Correct. And you got to get from point A to point B, and you have elevation in there. And in any case, the the newer baggers, all of the newer Dynas, all of those have a much more gradual slope for that very reason. Uh, because when you if you seat it properly and you sit back and then kind of let your your hips roll into the seat it promotes a more upright position. And then as long as you have the bars in the right spot, you're not fighting to be in that 90-degree angle. Yeah. I mean, just little bitty tweaks can make a huge difference in how long somebody can ride. Is, isn't it amazing how much technology has made riding better? And technology, like what you guys are creating, is making it better. And then you just look at some older bikes from, like, the 70s, and you're like, fuck, I don't think I could ever... Like, once you've compared it, I can't even... I can't even ride it if you pay me to. I want an old FLH base shovel head yeah, to, to do, but the fact is I'm not going to ride it much. Right. You know, it's like I have this M8 Road Glide. I've got I got a bunch of bikes that I can pick from, and I love those things. They look really cool, but you're right. It's just night and day difference where we're at now. Yeah. And I think speed's too changed. I remember riding, you know, cross country. I live in Louisiana, and I moved out here riding bikes across there and cheap, older Model soft tails when they were cool and Dinas just before the internet kicked off, I guess you could say. But yeah, yeah the ride the riding styles changed. You know, fifty five was you know speed limit across some vice seventy eighty. Now every everything's changed with riding too, so it makes it technology has increased everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe you can ride your bike in like twenty thirty when the speed limit's one twenty. Yeah, <laughs> maybe not everybody. <laughs> else, right? yeah. <laughs> Literally doesn't even know how fast his bike goes. Thing's such a monster. Yeah, it's all right. It, it goes a little bit. It goes faster than the rider does. You ever pull up next to Grady's bike and you think you're going to whoop on him because it's all show? You better just hang back and watch. What, 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 Grady, what do you ride? Well, I have mini ones, but I have a... What are you riding today? What? Today, I have a 2015 lowrider that's been basically custom rebuilt from the frame up. Motor, front end, suspension, paint. I don't think there's one bolt that hasn't been somewhat touched on that bike. Yeah, from everything. Beast. Yeah, it's it iconic. Yeah, I kind of did a the FXRT. I was going to say, I didn't even recognize it was a lowrider. Yeah, it's no one ever does. Most people walk it up, and I, 
you know, obviously people that's in the realm know what it is right off the bat, but for a lot of people, it doesn't just from a, from a stance from afar, because just for the paint and the lines on it, got the police defender bags on the back, it kind of like just all blends it in with, and then the gold makes it pop too. Mold, gold gives it extra 30 horsepower, just so anyone wants to know. Extra. Yeah. Only when the sun's out. Only yeah, only when the sun's out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> only when the UV lights. The no, UV lights. His <laughs> license plate says more. Superman, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Super old, man. <laughs> yeah. No, that that's a badass bike. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's, a, it's been like a retirement build gift for myself. So, and a lot of people have been involved in it, into it with me, so it's been fun. And, yeah. and and I know we briefly touched on this, but I'm going to ask again. Uh, do you guys, if, if somebody called you up and said, hey, will you build me a bike, would you guys take take the order and build a bike, or you guys don't really dabble with that? I stopped working on other people's bikes when I replaced a buddy's battery and got a call to go pick him up in Julian because he swore that I had done something, and it would, had nothing to do with me. You know, and that's a buddy, and I didn't make anything off it. And it, if, if that guy's hearing this and remembers it, don't worry, but it was a, a light bulb moment for me where I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. Uh, yeah. I like working on our bikes. You'll see there are some bikes in here uh, from time to time, you know, people that we completely trust that they, they trust us, and it's just not a stressful situation. But I don't like having other people's bikes in the shop. It's just a huge liability. Yeah, it's a big liability. Yeah, it almost doesn't make sense. Yeah, and, and if we did, we would – We've talked about doing a custom shop. There's been some times when we were literally right on the edge of doing it. We haven't. That may happen one day. Um, you know, that's absolutely something we would love to do. But at that point, we would have, you know, everything set aside for a custom shop as opposed to this is where we do R&D and we're prototyping and we're bringing somebody else's bike into our shop. That's a different scenario. That's nice. Um, when you guys, when people order parts, um, do you sell directly to the dealership or do you ship to the, directly to the dealership or people should order it and get it and then take it to the dealership? You know, what's more of the process and do you recommend installers or, or you, any, you know, certified Harley Davidson dealers good enough? Yes to all, you know, we recommend, um, dealers, we have dealers out there. So when people call their local town, we usually recommend a local dealer that sells our product. We also sell online straight to the individual as well. If they call and have a local dealer that wants to become one, we, you know, work that in there. And we have, we do encourage some installers of locations, you know what I mean? It's just ones we work with that we know. We don't have them for like all over the con continent, you know, because we have country people call from everywhere. everywhere, everywhere about, you know, where do I get my stuff from? So it's kind of difficult sometimes for that. But for the most part, every Harley dealership out there. Can, is it in a state it's mostly one of our dealers and we carry our products or maybe potentially have some in stock but if not we do work with individuals and dealers to get out there and we'll recommend that they contact their local dealer to and do installs if not you know someone local here we can recommend because here it's easier in san diego we know a lot of little right. call them mom and pop shops but we know a lot of not Harley shops around here. Just in your local town in New York, I don't know any. So we usually just use the local Harley people for like outside the state. But yeah. And there's yeah. people who fit with a Harley Davidson, Harley Davidson dealership. And then there's people who don't who want to go to an independent bike shop right. and that's their choice. Yeah. You go, go into a dealership. Something it, it's, you know, and I've said this before and I, and I love Harley. Nothing against Harley. It's just, it's just hard because, you know, the salespeople want to try to sell you something else. And, you know, sometimes there's an it's attitude. It's usually their job. There's somebody, always yeah. somebody behind somebody pushing them. And Harley's done a great job staying in business over the years. I don't know how they have in some senses where, you know, you, you read these stories and they, they just seem to keep coming back swinging. And they've got a great line of baggers and new soft tails out. So hopefully they'll keep making some, uh, some cool motorcycles and we keep making some cool parts for them. But 
Um, as far as their service goes, there are some shops that have better reputations than others, period, right, not period. just Harley. So when you have a customer that calls in and they say, hey, you know, where should I go? And you say, oh, go to this dealership. Well, I don't want to go there because of this. Every dealership has those stories, but you Everyone. do encounter those people. And so then it's usually an independent shop you want to send them to with a little more custom care and not so, you know, another thing, I'll just be honest, you go to a Harley Davidson dealership with a street bob and you want a set of our bars and you want 14s, they're going to tell you, you need cables. You don't. We got yeah. thousands of 14 inch San Diego bars on street bobs and it literally takes about an hour to do the bar job. You know why? I, I'm sorry. I'm calling you out. Sorry shops, but you can make plenty yeah. of money. You know, it's like there's, there's ways that people can, can save money if they work with certain people. So, and there's some dealerships that pull that and there's some dealerships that don't, you know, it's just the reality of it. And and these are all questions that people can call you guys and you guys will answer. No problem. Sure. Yeah. yeah. We, 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 we highly recommend you order something from us, call us, I'd rather talk to you on the phone about it than you get a headache in your garage and start throwing the bars against the wall. Just for call any, us right off the bat. And yeah, for any dealers listening to, I mean, we, we have a, a lot of love for our dealers and we try to educate and let them know, Hey, you can do this with this and you can do that with that. It's just, you know, if they make that decision, Hey, this is what the boss said. I agree with you, but we can't at that point, I'm not going to tell the customer, you know, that that's the case. I'm going to tell them the truth. You can right. run this with stock cables. You need to find somebody to do the install. Is there any chance that a dealer said, well, it doesn't matter if I was going to ask if there's any justification that the dealer would say that, but it's usually just upsells and it's fine. I that, think it's a liability it's, thing, honestly. I think it's liability, a, the cables upsell. are a little, you know, tight or whatever it is that they have within their parameters. And it may be technically the right thing to do. I'll just tell you, there's bikes out there 40, 60,000 miles with those bars on them, stock cables. Like they're tried, tested. You absolutely can run them. And it gets frustrating when we lose a customer or somebody wants bars and they tell them, you can't run that with your stock cable. So they end up going with a, a, a 10 inch set or a 12 inch set. And right. They really wanted 14s and now they're running risers on them. And it's like, you didn't have to do that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It, it gets very difficult. What yeah. What's next for lucky days? What, what, what's the goal? Where are you guys going to be at in five years from now? What new, what are the plans? What are the ideas, the creations, events? Outer space. That's Pandora's space. box. Space <laughs> yeah. force. Yeah. I'll just say that I got other I have other ideas uh, outside of Lucky Dave's that I'm really close to bringing to life. Um, in the last podcast interview that I did, I actually used the name. I'm going to hold off on right now saying it because we're pretty close. Yeah. Um, to we did a podcast together, by the way. Oh, yeah. That was the previous one. I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, you, wait, you and Jace. Jace? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were messing with me. Like, Oh, I no, no, no. J yeah. No, Jace and I, we, we, we did a. Oh, a, I meant a, the oh. name of the brand oh, that I sorry, wanted to drop. I, on his, I had said the name of the brand, and I'm just going to hold off because we're about to do some cool stuff with it. But um, in any case, yeah, Jace is awesome, and it's rather. Every, you know what I like about you guys? Everybody in your realm seems to get along pretty well. Nobody's, you know. Oh, no, we're, no, we're supporting each other and pushing yeah. each other. That's how know. it should be. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, so any, far. Happy birthday, right. Jace, by the way. Yeah, happy birthday, Jace. Happy We're birthday. Podcast without you on your birthday. Um, <laughs> Even this one air today, he's like, hey, what's <laughs> what? So uh, as far as new parts and stuff that's uh, moving forward, we're looking forward to continuing to bring out new hard parts. Um, we're obviously still, you know, heavy hitters in the seat game. We want to be able to provide our customers with seats. We're doing our best to, to do that. Uh, but the future for us really is diving into things that we haven't gotten into or haven't been able to, to bring to market simply because of lack of time due to growth or for whatever reason, we're ready to step into those things. So you should be seeing some new, new lines drop from us, uh, new content, a lot of new video content coming out. We're working with a guy named Ben. Um, he's actually in Tennessee, but he works with us, flies out here 
and uh, we're looking forward to creating some new content in November with our riders. So you should see some stuff coming out. I think we might be doing a podcast. And we're going to be doing a podcast. Yeah, this is a two-piece podcast. And there's a shameless drop for yeah. the next one. Yeah. We got you hooked, guys. We got you hooked. <laughs> Sucker. No, I'm kidding. We're Love you guys. We're going to have some riders uh, on that one. So it'll be cool to have some of the guys from East Coast and I think uh, Jeff or Seabear um, and anybody else who's out here for Rider Legends. We're going to have them come down and join us. That's awesome. Yeah. No, we're, we're definitely going to be looking forward to I that. Side Joe. And, and November, what, when is that? Um, that is going to be just after the 9th of November. So it should be the following week. Okay, perfect. Yep. All right, we'll get that set up. Right around the Marine Corps birthday, if you want to know, just at November 10th, just saying. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> and Grady, I'm going to ask you. Just because you you look like you have so much fucking experience, you look you look. Wow, man! You not sure that like, is that like a polite way of saying I'm old. No, you just yeah. look like you got experience. <laughs> um, any safety advice you'd give for new riders? Take advantage of all the safety courses out there. I think I attended. Uh, I've been to the beginner, the advanced. The I went to even the California Highway Patrol, and so there. And while I was in the Marine Corps, so I've been all. Take your time on it. Don't and I think get out there. Don't watch people. Um, doing crazy stuff and think you can do it. Just take your time, ride, start enjoying it. The more you ride, the more you learn, watch and learn, listen, and just take your, go for it. You know, it's just be safe about it, but don't do anything outside your means and don't have to follow someone just because they're faster than you, splitting lanes or whatever they do and just follow in your comfort zone. You'll have a much funner and safer time riding. I, I think I brought up this number and I, again, this is just an opinion. Um, but I've told, I think I started the podcast saying like 85%. Now I'm more convinced to like 96% of motorcycle accidents are rider error. Would you agree with that? or? I, I wouldn't disagree with that. I, I, I haven't looked at the stats in a long time, but uh, I wouldn't disagree. That I should most just of look are, up the stats yeah, instead of predicting think, them. But Well, most people ride outside their means. Yeah. And then you get down and you get into for riding in a vehicle, in a car, or a cage, whatever you want to call it. They're driving, they're focused in that little box and they see something. You got this little tiny machine compared to a vehicle driving three times faster than there. You look in the rearview mirrors and you're coming up on them. And most of the time it can be simple things can be prevented by just paying more attention to what's around your surroundings and how you're, how you're operating on it. And don't get me wrong. There's retards and full wheel vehicles that's going to run you off the yeah. road. So and there's people take, on their phones. Yeah, there's people that are there's stressed out. Things, there's a million so. different things, but yeah. yeah you, you, but we, for the we, most part, I wouldn't disagree that it's just that they would have, 20 minutes earlier and they thought about something they were doing, they probably could have changed yeah. the outcome. And don't it depends there. on how they characterize at yeah. fault. It, it, and when you got a guy laying there dead and you're trying to figure out fault, are, are you looking at fault as what would have saved this guy's life or what would have kept an accident from happening at all? Because his speed may have played a factor into him not being able to stop in time, but that person ran a red light. You know? Right. So if you're taking responsibility for your riding, then I agree with you because I think there are a ton of situations. You know, if I'm, if I have a new guy riding with me, I've ridden in a pack for a long time, trained a lot of guys coming up that are, you know, learning to ride side by side. There are a lot of scenarios that you need to keep an eye out for. One of the biggest ones, you're going down a two lane road and there's a left-hand pullout on either side. You got a semi in your left-hand turn lane. You got a green light, right? Right. And there's somebody on the other side in the left-hand turn lane. Now, if you have a light, you're lucky. But say there's sunny, you can't see them, they, they can't see you, they run a red or whatever. You have that person pull right in front of you. Now, if you don't have a stoplight and you're just cruising down the road, that left-hand turn lane is like the most dangerous thing you can see. Anytime there's someone in that lane, I'm always making sure they see me flashing my lights, getting loud. That's me taking responsibility for their actions. Has that saved my life? I don't know. 
but I don't want I'm, to know. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, and, and the reason I say 96%, I'm at, and this is my personal estimate, you know, like I said, I used to be at a couple of Harley shops. I seen many accidents. You know, when I hear the stories, I had, like, you know, I tell this one story. This one guy came in in crutches one time, and, you know, I was like, what happened to you? He's like, well, I'm driving, and this truck cut me off, so I went and cut him off and gave him the finger. <laughs> and the guy speed up, hit him, and knocked him out to the side of the road, and now he's in crutches. <laughs> like, like, I see stuff like that. Or a guy one time was uh, on Van Nuys Boulevard, and a guy comes out, you know, making a left in front of him, and he crashes, T-bones, you know. What happened to you? Oh, this guy pulled out in front of me, and, and I hit him. You know, Ellie, you know, you talk to Ellie, LAPD. We used to service her bikes in Van Nuys. Hey, what happened to so-and-so? Oh, he was going, you know, 60, 70 miles an hour on Van Nuys Boulevard, you know, and this. There's always two stories there, to the side a, of it. Yeah. Well, there's the, the, the yeah. thing is, it's three stories, right? <clears throat> yeah, there's his tr- side, her side, and then the truth. Yeah, somewhere in there. So, and, and, and nobody usually gets the truth out. But anyways, that's not the point. The point is be safe. A lot of things are, present, uh, you know, preventable. Um, when I was younger, I was a lifeguard in Santa Cruz County. And um, I, you, my job as a lifeguard, I realized, wasn't about saving people. It was about preventing from people to get to that point. Mm. And the worst case scenario is, you know, rescuing people. So everything's prevention, prevention, prevention. Yeah, and it's hard talking to a bunch of adrenaline junkies. Like, Fuck yeah. Dude, if I didn't have motorcycles in my life, I'd probably be hooked on drugs or something. You know, it's like everybody has that adrenaline gene. And whether it's, I, I love to surf, skate, free dive, you know, spearfish, fishing, whatever it is that I'm getting that fix at that moment. When you're talking to guys like that and you're trying to preach safety, we almost don't get it, you know, but I've seen too many people go down. I've picked too many people up off the road, not been able to pick people up off the road. The reality is it's not you, it's them, but you do have to take that responsibility. So I guess to finish that up, my biggest thing is if you got guys that you ride with, don't be afraid to be that person that's like, Hey guys, let's make sure we get home to our families, you know? Right. You get out there, especially if there's any alcohol involved or anything, and you got one guy, if you're not riding a structured pack that takes off, now the other guy's taking off, and you get that yo-yo effect going on and, and that slinky, you know, and it's dangerous in traffic. It can lead to something real quick. So I always, whenever I'm in those situations and I see guys and they're doing stuff that I feel is dangerous, I care about them enough to say, hey, let's let's chill out, you know. But a lot of people aren't comfortable doing that because the the uh, world that we're in, you know. Right. Yeah, we have to... It's it's a complicated thing that we're in right now. Yeah. Yeah. Any any other things we're missing out that we want to bring up about Lucky Days? Website, have, you know, uh, uh, Instagram. Yeah, I missed the first part of the podcast a little bit so much. But yeah, but check out the Instagram. We uh, Like I said, Ben's running it. He's out there putting some new product out there, new videos, new content. So always tag us in your parts. You know, we'll get try to get support y'all support our customer base as much as we can check out luckydays.com yeah, we try Call to us. repost customers on our story and and uh, sometimes on a post um <laughs> <laughs> try to show the love back i guess that's what we're trying to say uh, it's hard you know thousands and thousands of people buy our stuff and tag us every day but we try to get out there so check out our stuff we have a lot of new product drops i'm assuming y'all mentioned in there that you could check yeah, out over a lot of that if you want to keep an eye out for those things the best thing to do is sign up for the email on our website at right, luckydays.com mm-hmm. Yeah, and always call the shop. All right. 1-800-LD-PARTS. Yeah. Oh, that's a great number. 1-800-LD-PARTS. Yeah. yeah. I can't take credit for that. One of the other guys secured it. It's pretty good, though. It's very good. Yeah. yeah. 
Don't ask how I did that. It <laughs> magically happened one day. Experience. <laughs> just the so gray in my beard. Yeah, that's the, the experience like I was look. talking about. <laughs> well, guys, I, I appreciate it. Again, the facility's awesome. The staff's amazing. The, the place looks great. I'm, I'm really excited for November. I'm really excited to see what the future of Lucky Days, and I'm sure we're going to be doing a few of these. I just yes, remember, sir. we didn't say anything about the sevens. We have a brand new bar coming oh. out that some people are probably going to kind of turn their heads a little because it's a Lucky Dave's product. But this is a hybrid T-bar, ape-hanger kind of thing. Um, what? Right? <laughs> yeah. So Describe it, that. I mean, there's a lot of guys out there that are tired of T-bars. They run them and they want something that looks different. So there's a lot of variations. Well, we did a, a variation of a, a solid mountain bar welded together, solid construction, Um but it does have a little bit more of an A-pinger look. It looks essentially kind of like two sevens mirrored against each other. We'll be dropping some oh, photos soon. Oh, nice. Um, I'll show them to you before you leave. But the And we have a, a set installed on a bike here. Uh, but the best thing about it is it opens up your infotainment. So as opposed to having those straight risers like on our Lucky 13s, our San Diego's, um, these have a radius outward from the, from the get-go. But right. the hand position is the same as our heavy hitters because, again, that's the magic sauce. So... We've basically changed the positioning between the grips and where they mount so that the rider has a more open view of his cockpit. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's awesome. I just want to see it. I was going to say that was my biggest issue, choosing bars for my street glide because, you know, it, you do T-bars, it's going to cover everything. And I know some people are like, I don't care. But I do care, you know, especially if they open up the Apple Car feature and you can use your maps and stuff like that. Yep. It's a big deal. I don't want that yeah. blocked off. Yeah, or your neutral switch or there's different things you want to be able to see, you know. Absolutely. What gear you're in, you know, your RPMs. There's a million things you want to see. Sure. I mean, I mean, that's, it keeps that's your hands in the same position as the like a normal standard, like the heavy hitter well, San Diego platforms too. So it doesn't change that feel if you're in that, with that T-bar feel. You still get it. It's the same. It just looks different. That's really that's the cool thing about it. It's got a slightly better look, if you want. I like. I actually like the way they look. So yeah, yeah. he's pretty into them. They might end up on his new Road King that he thinks he yeah, already paid for. Yeah, we're back there. We're rebuilding the Road King right now, and there's some crazy stuff that's going on, and we're pretty stoked on. But it's still technically mine, and he keeps looking at it. He's like, man, I don't know. This might be shot by his bike. <laughs> he just thinks the word technical means it's his. He's going to trade Dinah straight up for it. So what's happening. He's lost his mind. Are you guys fighting for a road king for a bike? <laughs> no, he just, he's not no fight. It's already mine. He just doesn't know it. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> man. Like 20 yeah. grand in my pocket. I didn't hear it. Yeah. But uh, like another thing, too, unless you talk to him, mentioned that you were wanting to do the same thing for the risers on the heavy hitter platform. We do offer uh, riser bars in the heavy hitter platform as well. So anyone's wanting to run the four-inch spread, we do have risers that will be riser bars, I'm sorry, that fit that four-and-a-half-inch platform. So if you're wanting to run these on the four-and-a-half-inch platform, just contact the shop and we can get you set up to do the same. Um, I'm not sure if you mentioned that earlier, Dave, but we do have the riser bars that yeah. fit for that platform as well. If so you're wanting to what run. Grady's referring to is that heavy hitter platform again, four and a half inch on center as opposed to three right. and a half inches. That's going to allow the road glide, street glide, I presume, uh, lock to go completely in the lock position. The ignition lock. Mm -hmm. um, the because uh, and then so the people that don't know or don't have bikes uh, or baggers and have dynas is basically the other ones. This the ignition switches on the dash, and it turns left to right, and it's kind of a weird angle. And what happens is with the current bars, you weren't able to switch it or lock it up completely, right? Yeah, at the three and a half inch riser spread, it's too narrow inside It's too there. narrow. And yeah. now with what you guys created with this new amazing look, uh, it gives it four inches inside and you can turn that ignition switch completely. So it's like, you know, yep. you can lock it up. 
That's so fucked up that you people can't lock up their other bikes. Yeah, and some people don't care. Some people, that's a deal. Yeah, yeah. Killer, no, it's a style, know? of course. Yeah. You're going for it, and I get that. But it's it's good to have the option. Absolutely. And you guys figured it out. That's that's exciting. Yeah, appreciate it. So, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't want to get off without talking about those. Those are going to be dropping pretty soon. Um, they probably will have dropped by the time you release this, at least a teaser photo or something. But uh, we're probably going to get a lot of calls out of those. The sizes will be comparable to our current heavy hitters. Uh, because we are bringing out our triple tree and we currently have a bracket, uh, anybody who has the bracket has that rise. So if they're going to go to a triple tree, they may want to get taller bars because they won't have the rise integrated in the bracket. Um, there's a lot of different things to think about, but we tell everybody, hey, give us a call. We're happy to walk through this with you. We appreciate you spending your hard-earned money with us. You know, We'd rather spend time on the phone with you and make sure you get it right the first time. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, because the benefit is educating the the client, and then it's less headache for you guys too. You're not returning and shipping and return labels and blah blah blah. Yeah. And those returns, you know, like you said, you you pay out of your own pocket. And the remember the days you go into shop, they'd have the part there. Hey, I'm gonna go check this out on my bike. See if the paint matches. See if it mounts up. See if it's for an Evo. That. And now here's my ID. You know. Yeah. Can't do that anymore. These, these risers are so badass. I almost want to make a mic stand out of it. Yeah. You know? Why not? Give you a gold one, 10 inch. That'd be badass. That'd be cool. Are we missing anything? Oh, Grady's got something. Come on, say it. What are you pointing at? I saw you. I think I have a set of 10 inches, I was going to say, but I think I put them out on the, on the floor already. So, oh, sorry. For your mic stand. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I have nothing to say. Okay. Love y'all. Let's have fun. Get out and ride. Be safe and have a good holidays. It's getting in the holiday season. You know, trying to recover, get back on a platform from the COVID. Uh, love your neighbor. Pass it out. Let's have some fun. Yeah, on that note, uh, guys, just just be easy on yourself. You know, everybody's gone through a lot right now. We just encourage everybody to be there for one another. You know, look at things optimistically. Realize every day is a new day. You can choose what you're going to spend your time on, what you spend your thoughts on. Um, just be kind to yourself, you know. And I know that sounds kind of cheesy coming from a Harley performance company, but um, if we're sitting here saying it, there's a need. And I just Absolutely. see it in the world right now. So uh, I don't mind being the one to say it. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much for those kind words. Thank you for having me at your shop. Thank you for your time. And until then, I'll see you guys in November. Well, thank you, sir. Take care, guys. Appreciate it. And that's a wrap. Again, thank you to all the listeners. Thank you to all the followers. If you haven't subscribed yet, subscribe. Make sure to check out our Instagram and follow. We have amazing content. We're always trying to improve it and make it better. Until then, ride hard. Ride safe, ride boundless.